All praise to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by His great mercy that we have been born again. Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead, and now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by His power until you receive this salvation which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad this morning. There is wonderful joy ahead of you. Even though you have to endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Christ Jesus is revealed to the whole world. And he will reveal himself here in this place today. Amen? Inside your uh, worship folder today, we all have a prayer card that is there. And I want you to, uh, I want all of us to use those today, but we're going to do it together near the end of the service. So I just want you to hold on to that until after the message today. We have a wonderful privilege today to do something that uh, is an important part of our church life together. Today, and that's the dedication of a baby, and Carrie and David Porter, and uh, big brother Caden are bringing Caffrey uh, this morning for dedication. And family and friends are coming to surround them. This is a, a good day. A good day. David and Carrie, we uh, love and appreciate you and uh, your contribution and uh, your participation in the life of this church and its ministry. And it's a privilege today to share uh, these moments with you and for you to be surrounded by your family and friends. The scripture tells us that little children were brought to Jesus and uh, the disciples thought perhaps that he was too busy or they weren't important enough, but Jesus corrected them strongly and said, you know, you let the children come to me. For the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. And we follow Jesus' words today and believe in the extreme importance of our precious little ones. And God's given you uh, Caffrey. And uh, he's given you a, a huge responsibility and a huge privilege uh, to watch over him and to care for him. And so I ask you today, uh, as parents, as a loving mom and dad, will you do everything that you can to watch over his associations, to uh, see that he is educated, not only in, in uh, proper learning, but also in the Word of God, that you will do everything you can to care for him and steer him towards uh, uh, the Lord who loves him and uh, wants to give him a wonderful life. If you will do all of that, say, by the grace of God, we will. As you hand him over to me today, Symbolically, it's a way of you handing him over to the Lord and uh, say that he's a gift uh, from God. And this is a fine boy, a fine boy who is already maybe showing some musical inclination because he's going for my microphone. <laughs> and he'll come by that honestly. Look at all these folks out here, Caffrey. <laughs> That's a good boy. He's, uh, he's faced some challenges already in his young life. But the Lord is uh, building him up into a healthy and strong, uh, fine boy. And uh, 
we're so glad today that uh, we have this opportunity together. And I want to ask you as a church family, will you do everything you can uh, by the grace of God to support David and Carrie and, and Caden and, uh, and Caffrey as uh, they endeavor to, to raise him? Will you do that? If you will, say, by the grace of God, we will. And so right now, it is my privilege to dedicate you, Caffrey Jack Porter, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we thank you so much for this precious little boy, for what you've already brought him through physically, and how you're helping him to grow now. And we thank you also, Lord, so much for the wonderful plans that you have for him, plans for him to know and grow in you, plans for you to to use him and his talents and abilities and to make the difference in his life and, and that he will be used by you to make a difference in others' lives. I thank you for David and Carrie and pray for your blessing on them. I pray that you will give them wisdom and strength and peace together as husband and wife and as mom and dad and help them to do everything by your strength and your power to watch over Caffrey and, and lead and guide him in his life. Pray that you'll also bless big brother Caden and, and help him to be a, a, a strong example and a good example. We thank you for all the family and friends that support here today and for this moment and for your love for Caffrey and your blessing on his life. And we pray all this in the strong name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. We have some things today here to remind you of what took place today and, and also some things to keep the New Testament uh, as we pray that he'll early come to know and learn God's word. A certificate of dedication, a great uh, CD of lullabies that I fully endorse. And uh, uh, it's good listening whether you're with him or not. Might get uh, you to sleep on a restless night. And especially, uh, who's, who's the best keeper of things here? <laughs> David pointed to his mom. Um, <laughs> what I've just handed Carrie is a letter that uh, is to be kept for Caffrey to open on his 18th birthday to remind him of what took place on this day, of God's love for him, and we pray that he'll find him serving the Lord. And uh, we thank you so much for sharing this moment with us, and we bless you in Jesus' name. Would you uh, join me in making the confession that... Uh, we have uh, said together for about the past three or four weeks that just recognizes what, uh, what it's all about. Would you join me in saying this together? Yours, Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the splendor, and the majesty. For everything in heaven and on earth is yours. All things come from you, and of your own do we give you. We've been establishing the fact that it all belongs to God, that our motto should be, everything is yours, Lord, everything, everything. We've talked about how the fact that even the church is his, and we say to the Lord, this is your church, Lord, not mine, it is yours, and when the church is yours, then things do become properly ours to use as God would have us to do so. We talked about money last week and how our money should belong to God and that our trust should be in God and not our money and that it all belongs to Him. 
He's the source of every good thing that we have in our lives. Today, I want to talk to you about what I consider to be the major trust, the major thing that God has entrusted us with, the, the major thing that he's entrusted his church with. It's, it's something extremely important. It's very important to every one of us who claims the name of Christ, to every one of us who would identify ourselves as a follower of Jesus, to every one of us who would say, I am a Christian. God has given us a major trust. He's entrusted us with his message for all people. The good news about Jesus and how that is good news for us. He's entrusted us with what we know and call the gospel. Paul talked about it in his second letter to the people in, in Corinth, that, that major city in Greece of his day. He, he, he wrote them a second time to talk to them about many things, but one of the things that he addressed with them was the fact that we've been entrusted with something incredible. I want you to hear some of this from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning at verse 11, where he says this, Because we understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we're crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we, in our, if we are in our right minds, it's for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. And since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. And he died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. I want, to, I want to reread that last verse to you, verse 15. Look at it closely. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live life for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ, who died and was raised for them. So I would ask a question of us this morning are, are we convinced of the truth of this? Are we convinced of the truth that Jesus Christ died for us all, that we might live for him, and that he was raised to life, that we might be also? Are we, are we convinced of this? Is, is this something that we're, we're sure and, and certain of? We believe that it's the gospel truth. Are we convinced of that? And if we are, then let me follow it up with another question. Are we motivated enough to persuade others of this truth? Are we motivated enough to persuade others? I've got a very good friend who, um, when he likes something, he really wants you to like it too. I mean, I mean, that's important. If he likes something, if he, if he really enjoys something, cares about something, is passionate about something, he, he really wants you to share that with him. For example, and, and this would be a truthful example, if he really likes some kind of ice cream, he wants you to like it as well. 
and, and he, he, he's got to get you to taste this ice cream. If he really likes it, he wants you to like it, he's got to get you to taste it. And when, when you taste it, he'll look at you and say, huh, is, is that not good? Is that not good? Is that, I mean, I think it's really, really good. Don't you? Don't, don't you? You like it? And if you waver, if you're not convincing him that you like it as well, you, you might just sit there all night eating ice cream until you really, really like it. How motivated are we to persuade others about the message of grace and truth that's changed our lives. Now, I'm not suggest, suggesting that, that we badger and beg and, and plead and try to get somebody to, to admit or say something that they're not really ready and sincere in their hearts to do. That's, that's not what I'm talking about. But I'm just asking, do we have the motivation, do we have the conviction that would lead us to acts of persuasion that we have found the message, that we have found the truth, that we've found the gospel? Persuasion is a strong word. It's a word that, it's an emotional word. It calls for, for that. It calls for intense action. A, a passion to convince others of something. Convince. Not just tell them, but convince them. Persuasion. What about the passion to convince others of the truth and authenticity of the gospel message of Jesus Christ? Well, Pastor, that's, that's your job. Well, you know what? That is my job. It certainly is. I am called to persuade others of the truth and authenticity of the message of Jesus Christ. That is my job. But, if you claim to be if you claim to be a follower of Jesus, if you would call yourself a Christian, if you say, I'm a part of the body of Christ, I'm one of the redeemed people of God, if you would say that that's who you are, then you know where I'm going, don't you? Then it's most definitely your job too. We've been given. We've been given a sacred trust. God has made the decision. He's made a decision to have you and me communicate who He is and what He's done through His Son, Jesus Christ. And because of that, it means that you and I, we look at life, we look at life and people through a little bit of different lens. Paul, Paul described that in, in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 16 the next verse there he says so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view at one time we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view but how differently we know him now 
We're not looking at people trying to figure out if they've got anything to offer us. We should not be trying to look and see if they've got anything that we can get from them. And we're not just looking at Jesus and asking, what have you done for me lately? Anybody else get that Janet Jackson song pop up in your head right there? Sorry about that. I shouldn't voice ever thought I have, but that just... That's all the way back to the 80s, isn't it? What have you done for me lately? Um, No, we're looking at people in a different way now. Through the lens of the gospel, we're not just looking at people and saying, well, I will do for them if they'll do for me. What can they offer me? Do I have anything I can get from them? I'll communicate with them if I'm going to receive something back. We're not just looking at Jesus and saying, Jesus, what are you going to do for me? What are you, do? What are you going to do for me? What are you going to do for me? Why not? Because our story has a major theme to it. And what I'm referring to, what I'm talking about here is, let, let, me, let me ask you another question this way. Here's, here's what we're talking about. Is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Is this the focal point of your biography? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, Pastor. And first of all, I don't have the Bible memorized, so I don't have that verse memorized. But I'm, I'm asking you, is 2 Corinthians 5, 17 the focal point of, of your biography? If you don't know it by memory, that's okay. That's okay, I'm not sure I could quote it word for word, but look at it with me. Look at 2 Corinthians 5.17. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. When Paul wrote these words in this letter, there, there were some people that were questioning his motives. There were people questioning his style of worship. They were, they were questioning some of the things that he did and, and, and practices in his life. And his answer was this. I'm a new person. Jesus has changed my life. And the evidence for that is that there's been, there's been a radical moral transformation of how I live and who I am. The old is gone, and a new life has begun. I'm a new person in Christ. And my motivation now is to live for Him, to live for Christ. And to live for Christ means I should seek to be living like Christ. Not by trying harder, on my own strength and determination, not by adding to a list of rules, but by the grace and power of God who loved me, gave himself for me, so I could be forgiven, so I could be reconciled to him. I just recently, uh, just a a few short weeks ago, heard a uh, powerful story of reconciliation and forgiveness from someone within our church. I'm not going to 
mention names or specific details just for, for their sake. But, but I'll just tell you this. This person had, had in years past suffered um, greatly as a result of something a family member had done. A very serious, grievous offense. In, in some ways, you, it would be one of those things that you would just kind of categorize as unthinkable. How could anyone ever? Years went by from that major offense. And this person in our congregation was made new in Christ. And saw the transforming work of, of the Lord in their life. And over, over time, God revealed to this person that, that she must forgive. She must offer the forgiveness that Christ has offered her. So by the grace of God and the help of the Holy Spirit, without whom it just wouldn't be possible to do such things, this person traveled many miles to offer forgiveness, reconciliation. A new opportunity. They offered that. The good news of Jesus Christ was shared by the grace of God. There seems to be some openness to receiving that, and now we wait to see if it'll be fully received. 2 Corinthians, Paul continues to write, and he says in verse 18, all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ and God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them and he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us and we speak for Christ, when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Who needs reconciliation? Who needs reconciliation with God? And why do they need that? I think we should know the answers to that, don't we? There are some verses and, and things from Scripture, if we've been around the church for a while, and things that we've heard, things like, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Things said like, all of us like sheep have gone astray. Each of, one, each of us has gone to our own way. We've all made that choice. Why do we need reconciliation with God? Why did, why did God go to the lengths that he did? Why, why did Jesus die on the cross? Why is, why is it all such a big deal? It's such a big deal because our sin is not just some minor misunderstanding. It's not just some, 
Well, we all make mistakes. It's a break in relationship with God. It's it's rebellion. It's rebellion against who and what God has called us to be. Which He's clearly revealed in creation. Which He's clearly revealed in, in our conscience. Which He's clearly revealed in His Word. And which He's fully and completely revealed in Jesus. Now our society... And the world we live in kind of winks at sin or doesn't treat it very seriously or just outright mocks it. Unless, of course, you sin against me, well, and then it's a big deal. But sin is not a minor misunderstanding. And I think deep down, we all know, we all know there's a need for forgiveness and change. And our message, the message that we've been entrusted with, is to live and to tell. Live and tell others that forgiveness is there and that change is really possible. Why is that? Why, why do we believe? Why would we, why would we believe something so strongly that we'd be convinced and motivated that we've got to persuade others this is the truth? Why, would we, why do we like this message so much that we want others to like it and, and receive it as well? Because of this. Because in Christ, in Christ, all our sins and failures have been dealt with. And not just that, but in receiving that, something new has happened. Something new has happened deep down in who we are. Something's changed. I want you to do an exercise with me. I did not hear any response of, of gladness. Now we're not I'm not gonna make you I'm not gonna make you get in the aisles or spread out in space and, and do anything that would in any form make you look physically silly, although the temptation to do such would be kind of great. And some of you I, I want I want you to do this with me. From the, the beautiful inspired Inspired words of another transformed person whose, whose words we read in Scripture. The, the disciple Peter, who had all kinds of ups and downs when we read his story in Scripture, and, and who at times was doing really good things and at other times was really, really messing it up. And whose sin was laid out in front of all of us. I want you to read these, these words of Peter with me found in, in his letter in the second chapter. First letter, second chapter. Verse 24. 
Can we bring that up on the screen? And as you see that verse in front of you, you see that there are some words left out. There's some blank spaces. And I want you to look away from, from reading it and filling those blanks in in the Scripture. And what I want you to do is, is look with me, and I want you to read this verse with me. And I want you to insert your name in the blanks here, if you will. And it won't hurt if you do it out loud. I'm going to do that. You read it with me? He personally carried Jeffrey's sins in his body on the cross so that Jeffrey can be dead to sin and live for what is right. And by his wounds, Jeffrey is healed. Thanks be to God. Now what I want you to do, if, if, that, if that rang true at all in, in your heart, as you read it and you inserted your name, if that rang true at all for you, if there's something there that, that resonates with that because you've embraced it, you've received it, and you know that to be true for your life, now what I want you to do is look for a moment at that and think of someone whom you know and most likely really care about, someone you know who this has not been received who has not embraced the message of reconciliation, who's not put their trust in Christ, received His forgiveness and transformation. Someone you know. And I want you to, to think about inserting their name in those blanks. Somebody you personally know who needs to hear and not only hear but receive the message of reconciliation that has eternally altered your life. And now let me ask you this. What if God, through you, would make that a reality? What if God through you would make that reality? Very good news today. Very good news. Today. Today. February the 3rd, 2013, is the day to share and receive God's transforming grace. Were you aware of that? Were you aware? When you woke up today, did you realize that today, February 3rd, is the day of salvation? Did you know that? Listen, I've also got some really good news to go along with the good news. If you truly and sincerely have someone that, that you would be so so convinced of the truth and so motivated by the love of Christ and the transforming gospel in your life and you're convinced that they need that as well if you're if you're motivated by that if you're convinced of it if if you would by the grace of God be willing to share with that person and to live in front of them the good news of Jesus Christ by whatever means God would give you if if you're so convinced of that let me tell you some more really really encouraging news 
God is going before you to work in that person's life. To seek them, to reach out to them. In the Wesleyan persuasion of of doctrine that we're in the strain of, we call that prevenient grace. It means that God is working ahead of us. He's done that in all of our lives. Before I really and truly made my deliberate choice to embrace Jesus and to give my life to Him, He was already working and speaking and moving. And certainly He used others to persuade me. But that's good news. You're not on your own to do this. You're not on your own to persuade. The best persuader, is that a word? Persuader? Is that a word? We'll make it one this morning. The best persuader in the universe is the Holy Spirit. And it's His job to convince and convict of sin and righteousness. And He'll do that. He does the best job of it. In fact, I don't think we have to do a whole lot to try to convince people of sin. I think mainly what we do is tell them, hey, there's forgiveness. And there's deliverance. And change is real. I want you to put up the, uh, the last line of 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2 on the screen with me. It says this, Indeed, the right time is now. When, when is the right time for the gospel to be shared and be received? When's the right time for that? February 3rd. 2013. And unless Jesus returns on February the 3rd, 2013, the next day of salvation is February the 4th, 2013. Were you aware that Monday, February the 4th, also be the day of salvation? I want you to do something today. I want you to take out that prayer card that's uh, in your worship folder that you've been, been given today. If you don't have one with you, you can grab a piece of paper or whatever it might be. But if you would identify yourself today as a follower of Jesus, if you would say, I've, I've received Christ, I would, you could call me a Christian. If you'd identify yourself that way, what I want you to do is, is take out your prayer card and somewhere on that prayer card, maybe in the, under the line that says step out faith or something like that, I want you to write the name or names of people that you know who have not embraced this, who have not yet understood the grace of God and received it fully, who could not say, I am a new person. In Jesus Christ. I would love for you today, prayerfully. If you need a card, uh, we've got some. If you need one of those, let us know. We'll bring it to you. I'd love for you to write those names down right now. As God speaks to us today.
And if there's someone sitting here among us today who this hasn't become a reality in your life, if you if you couldn't identify yourself as a new person in Jesus Christ, I want to tell you today, even right now, you could pray, not with fancy words, but just with a simple heart of faith and saying, Jesus, I need you. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I believe that, that you died on the cross for me that you were raised to life and I don't know all the details of everything of what I should do next but Lord I just put my faith in you and I want to receive your salvation and be made right with you today and be a new person in Christ if you if you pray that prayer today and you want to speak to me after service I would love to talk with you and encourage you and welcome you as a new person in Christ and for the the rest of us today that have uh, taken a moment to write down a name or two, I want us now to stand and sing and pray and bring our cards and place them here in faith that God can move and work and do what He alone can do. If you want to pray for someone or with someone, the altar's altar's open. Let's stand. Bring your cards in faith. Let's believe today.